ready to keep you company wherever you are. Card Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard-hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. Welcome to another episode of the Whole Week Wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche. It's been another dramatic week on the news front. Here's what's coming your way. Chaos, both locally and abroad, leaves the rand battered and bruised. Weapons of mass confusion, we delve into the Lady R debacle. It is an unacceptable situation to be kept in the dark. And uh, you're right, Massa, there is, appears to be a lack of accountability, which I think is really upsetting the nation. And it makes us much more volatile in our emotions. And a farm in the Karoo shows Italy how it's done. Turn up the volume, we have a lot to cover. Welcome to another exciting whole week news wrap with Daily Maverick. My name is Masa Kegana. Janet, always exciting to talk to you. Lots going on, but I always like to start here. How are you holding up in the news cycle of the South African news? I'm holding up. I actually was thinking last week, you know, it was a fairly okay-ish week, not too hectic, like the newspaper has been so crazy. And then on Thursday, this really, really powerfully thunderstruck sort of knock on this allegation by uh, the American ambassador to South Africa about us possibly supplying arms to Russia hit the Rand dive and so it hasn't stopped since then. <laughs> it, it really turned into a tailspin, it just went into a frenzy. But let's just start with the Rand. I mean, the Rand has not been strong in a very long time. The Rand has been on its knees. And it was in the Daily Maverick, a piece that I read. And Jacques Nall, the head of Africa Macro at Oxford Economics, South Africa, said something so chilling, Janet. He was speaking of load shedding and everything that's causing a strain on our economy and the anxiety that we're facing as a country. But he's saying this anxiety is now being reflected in the exchange rate. But the following part, when he said, the South African unit being one of the worst performing emerging market currencies so far this year. How did we go from the emerging market darlings to the worst mm. performing? Indeed, I think the shock on um, Friday morning, I see that the, the Rand actually in free fall, it hit a record 19.47 to the dollar, which is really one of the lowest we've had. That is a really shocking fall. It's just on the ropes. I remember being in the States in 2010, and I remember the Rand was 7 Rand 50 to the dollar, and it was oh, my so word. tough. It was, I, I, I found it, it was impossible to do anything because... You felt, you know, it seemed so hard then. You thought, oh, my gosh, this is a terrible, terrible rate. And now it's like if it hits 19.47, I mean, it's just, and you know, it obviously puts travel on hold for everyone, but it has more dire consequences for the entire economy with a warning from the Reserve Bank that because of load shedding and the volatile rand, it could also negatively impact on the attempts to stop the increase in the interest rate, 
which is really hitting South Africans mm. hard. It has a domino effect on everything. And so watching the load shedding and the rand in free fall, it kind of is really a watching game about where we actually are headed. And it is very, very alarming, but it does seems to get worse. When you think it can't get any worse, it seems to be getting worse in terms of the financial aspect. The rand is a global indicator. It's related to so many other factors which have impacted on the rand. But our two key issues, you could see it on Thursday as the story broke, which ironically, the story broke about the Russian claims as Cyril Ramaphosa was in parliament, addressing parliament about the state of the country. And at the same time, we get blasted by these latest claims. They have an immediate effect. You can see it. We were on the front pages of so many media across the world on Friday morning. So that is yeah, not a good way to enter the week to come. Absolutely not. And, you know, it was in a story we did on Cot Blanche two weeks ago on what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and South Africa's supposed neutrality. And speaking to an economist, Dr. Raj Obidian, he described it so well when we were speaking of grey listing in particular and he said five years ago already South African government was warned by the Financial Action Task Force to say that you are a candidate for grey listing please pull up your socks get your house in order and how he described it was to say it's as if you walk into a doctor's room and the doctor says you have early stages of lung cancer but we can actually tackle it right now if you do a b and c and take these measures on and he says what the south african government essentially did walking out of the doctor's rooms was to basically then start chain smoking as opposed to (laughs) to fixing the problems that we have. So yes, there are global factors that go into play when we're talking about our exchange rates, but there are own goals that we have done and we should take accountability for it. In December last year, a Russian cargo ship bearing the name Lady R docked in Simonstown in the Western Cape. The ship had switched off its transponder before dropping anchor, leading many to question the reason for the ship's visit. At the time, government was less than forthcoming. But five months later, the presidency as well as various ministers had no choice but to address the matter when U.S. Ambassador to South Africa Reuben Bridgetty made a stunning announcement. South Africa had allegedly loaded weapons onto the vessel. A not-so-subtle way of the U.S. saying government was providing support to Russia. So, what's really going on? So, moving on to, I mean, these stories are truly connected. The infamous Lady R vessel that docked in Simonstown. It seems nobody knows what Lady R was doing here, what Lady R dropped off or took. And it seems all to be hush-hush. And of course, now we have been blasted by the U.S. ambassador. And he seems very confident in those allegations that South Africa truly did supply arms to Russia when Lady R docked here. What was interesting is the response from the presidency to say the ambassador has jumped again, and this is what they called megaphone diplomacy, that we were already talking about this behind the scenes. You need not have alerted everybody. But they didn't categorically deny it outright to say, no, we can tell you what was on Lady R. Instead, it's another day, another inquiry. This is where Ramaphosa's response was slow on Thursday, and then he announces a inquiry by a retired judge at a huge cost, which will take a long time. We've had so many inquiries. We don't have time for an inquiry. And we have surely the internal procedures to 
determine what was on that ship and what was not. The ambassador didn't provide proof, and I think we have to be very aware of that. Absolutely. Um, but he did say he would bet his life on it. And of course, everyone now is trying to look at the proof, but the proof should come from within the government, the defense ministry. Whether the ambassador, you know, trying to figure out his rationale here, it's unusual behavior diplomatically to come out so mm. strong. It also is unusual. And looking at the timing, it was after Sydney Mutamadi and a delegation had been in the States to try and persuade the States to not alter trade agreements and other relationships with South Africa. So it seemed that things may have been turning, you know, and some kind of deals made. And then at the same time, we get this thunderbolt from the ambassador. So there are a lot of questions, obviously, around it diplomatically, what's actually going on there. Many of us are inquiries out. I do agree that we need to act with caution when it comes to these warnings, even though the ambassador did say, you know, he'd be willing to bet his life. He used very strong language to say that South Africa does not seem to be walking the talk. Of course, then flexing muscle to bring up a goer and to say you are enjoying very fruitful benefits from our relationship. So please do not step on our toes. And while we are looking for the evidence, it seems that our ministry is just scrambling. And the little bit of information that has come out following this, the chair of the National Convention Arms Control Committee, Minister Monli Gungubele says what he can speak of categorically on record of what they do have because any arms at Okago that would have to leave or come into South Africa would have to go through this committee. They would have had to have authorization. And he says the last order between Russia and South Africa was made in 2018, which goes to what the Minister of Defense in December had said to media that it was an order prior to the pandemic. However, yes. Where it becomes a little bit murky now, the DA Shadow Minister for Defence and Military Veterans, Urbis Murray, has come out to say that the cargo that the Minister Mudise speaks of, of 2018, that order can be tracked and they know where that is. What they don't know is what was on Lady R. It is an unacceptable situation to be kept in the dark. And uh, you're right, Masa, there is, appears to be a lack of accountability, which I think is really upsetting the nation. And it makes us much more volatile in our emotions. We're already dealing with load shedding. And then we settled with this lack of accountability and responses to quite basic information. I mean, that was a massive ship dark for days in Simonstown. There seems to be more evidence already about what was perhaps taken off the ship if there were some arms supplied by Russia that the DA and others have already have highlighted, which seems to indicate that there's more evidence of that at the moment, but that what was actually put on the ship in terms of the claims by the US ambassador, that's what really needs to be established. And there will be, and there really is already a, a hardline stand taken against the ambassador's claims by hawks within the ANC. And um, I see Julius Malema came out guns blazing straight away after the report that he thinks America's concerns are misplaced. He says the current government has no capacity to empower Russia with weapons. Quoting him, he said, we have a long-standing relationship with Russia. We will not be dictated to by the U.S. in terms of who becomes our friend. There's no such capacity to supply Russia with weapons. If anything, it is the other way around. So <laughs> that is also what we're sitting with. And we will get the hard-hitting responses to follow from the hawks in the ANC and other parties. And so, again, we just need to be given the answers. Ultimately, South Africa is a sovereign state and we do not obviously want to be bullied. And this term has come up a lot. We are at risk of such. And 
I think it was the Minister of Defense, Minister Tandi Mudisa, who had said that our friend's enemy is not our enemy and vice versa. And with mm-hmm. that being said, we also need to be very careful that we do not give any other country too much power and say over what we do and where we stand. It's very hard to maintain a neutral stance. It seems now that the U.S. are very convinced we're not even neutral, that we actually are pro-Russia. This seems to be where they're coming from, and I think we need to think hard about that because it's also about perception. And there must be a massive tug of war and fight within the ANC and the alliance of a lot of people even within the ANC saying we need to take a stand. Parliament's Standing Committee on Public Accounts, or SCOPA, began a two-day process to put various allegations of corruption at ESCOM, made by former CEO Andre Dereta, to the test. And while the focus fell on whether or not Dereta handed over findings of wrongdoing at the embattled power utility, Janet reminds us what we really should be focusing on. Moving along to our perpetual number one story, which is ESCOM. We saw it was the Hawks, the SAPS and the SIU briefing parliament about former ESCOM CEO Andre Dureta's allegations. Now, they did not seem too happy with him. They slammed Andre Dureta saying that he had this internal investigation without their knowledge. Andre Dureta has come out guns blazing. He's spoken to the Daily Maverick last night. He was on Cont Blanche with Bongani Bingwa and he says, no, I had alerted the relevant authorities. I know that the Daily Maverick also saw the message that's been circulating that, you know, that is his evidence that he did meet with the police commissioner at Megawatt Park in June of 2022 already. So he's saying that, hang on, I did not contravene the Prevention and Combat of Combating Corrupt Activities Act. He said, I did alert you guys. I gave you the information. And he ended up telling Parliament, the senior officer, that he was working with as well. That story is just playing out and it's quite hard to keep track of, you know, because it's all linked to obviously load shedding and you almost need a, a full newsroom team just to deal with the ESCOM load shedding Dorota story. It's so easy to get distracted and sidetracked by these sort of fights about whether he had disclosed it or hadn't or whether he'd asked this person mm. or hadn't asked. And we're going to and fro and to and fro and so he said, she said situation when the country's burning and we have this load shedding problem. The horse is bolted with corruption. There's no debate about the fact that we have a lot of corruption, but this argument that's come out has actually thrown doubt on it, whereas actually what we should be dealing is is, is solving the problem and getting a CEO. The Minister of Energy still doesn't have his powers. Two months later, he doesn't have his powers. Again, it goes back to our president, Sir Ramaphosa, being just far too slow. The next time you're looking to stock up on some high-quality extra virgin olive oil, there's no need to reach for a bottle imported from Italy or Spain. Instead, a farm nestled between the Swatbarg Mountains in the Western Cape is showing the world that local truly is lacquer. We do have green shoots, and I am so excited about a piece that was in the Daily Maverick, because when I think olive oil, and I love olive oil, I think Italy. But now, watch out, Italy. South Africa has taken over, and it's on the map, and it's all because of the claimed Karoo estate. So the olive oil comes from along the Route 62 in the Little Karoo. It's called the Rustica Olive Estate. This little estate has become top class as being the best in the world. And yes, we beat Italy, as you said, and Spain and all these other countries that are so well known for their olive oil. Just blind samples of about a thousand samples and a 26 strong international
international jury evaluated the olive oils and and we just came out you know this little farm in the little crew that has really given us the best recognition ever i'm sure their sales have gone up hugely since this announcement good for them just before i let you go another green shoot coming out of the western cape finance and economic opportunities department confirmed that international two-way passengers through cape town international airport have fully recovered to 100 percent and this is when comparing it to 2019, which is even before the pandemic. South Africa is still a very attractive tourist destination and people are not deterred by our many, many problems. There's many, many good things, including our olive oil. Absolutely. And I'm sure with the free fall of the rand, it's much, much easier for them to visit us. But we, we welcome them. So that really is a green shoot. And no better way to end it off for this week's Whole Week News Wrap. Thank you so much, Janet, for joining us. And thank you to you, the listener, for joining us. Catch you again next week. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for listening. In case you missed any of our earlier episodes, you can find them all now on Spotify and all other major platforms. Also, head on over to the Carte Blanche and Daily Maverick websites for more insightful content.